0: Hello and welcome to the Purlue Podcast, Influencer Marketing Reimagined, a podcast where we chat with influencer marketing professionals, social media influencers, bloggers, YouTubers, podcasters, you name it, about what has led to their success. Today, we'll be hearing from Christian Sturt, the head of Influencer Marketing and Talent Management at Colossal Influence Limited. He'll be speaking to us today about how to best utilize influencer marketing during COVID from the gaming, entertainment, and sports industries' point of view. Colossal Influence is a full-service influencer marketing agency, talent agency, and influencer marketing consultant. It does not matter if you're looking for the perfect presenter for an up-and-coming web series, if you're looking to reach 10 million impressions on Twitter in a matter of days, or if you're a UK-focused gaming campaign on YouTube. I'm your host, Alexis Trammell. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you sign up for Perlu to learn more about how you can grow your influencer marketing career. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christian.
1: No problem at all, thank you very much for having me.
0: Tell us more about yourself and Colossal and what does your role look like at the agency?
1: I'm, uh, I guess I'm the master of all trades. Well, I started back in 2012, which was really the birth of the influencer field for me. I mean, it was going on for a few years before that, but that's when it started to really come to the surface. Yeah, I started as a content creator myself, on Twitter and moved into the influencer field. When I realized that there was a gap for both brands and influencers and that both weren't getting the best out of the field, I felt like there was a a niche for me to slot into. and, And that's how I discovered Colossal Influence.
0: That is awesome. So you discovered Colossal Influence, you started this agency. And how long ago was that?
1: The agency formed in 2016 officially, although we were working under Colossal Content Limited because before that I run a CO content consultancy and we kind of moved into the field in 2016 officially. But I did my first personal brand deal in 2012. I signed off on my first personal brand deal at the end of 2012 and 2013 for another influencer. And then we really started moving into the field in 2014.
0: Mm -hmm. And your focus was originally in the sports entertainment industry. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, almost exclusively in sports and entertainment because my background was in sports journalism. I initially created an account on Twitter, which was at FootyWriter, and that gained pretty large following up to about a hundred thousand within its first year. And I noticed that a lot of brands were reaching out to me, that they wanted to do activations and 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 influencer marketing was a little different back then. So there was a lot more meeting up and getting involved in various campaigns. And so back then I was I was doing that for that account and realized quickly that there was a, a plethora of other people that were very similar to me. Most of them were much younger. So I'm 33 now, which is basically ancient in the influencer field. We were working with people that were at the time 18, 19, 20, who had no business experience, no background in the field. They kind of fell into influencer marketing. So we found that brands were levying their position and their experience against newly formed influencers but also that the influencers were saying that they could deliver something that wasn't sustainable in the long term so we kind of as i say, we kind of bridged that gap to deliver the perfect influencer strategy but also to ensure that the influencer was paid a fair price for their work
0: right that's awesome to hear and so Tell me a little bit about how your agency approaches influencer marketing differently from other agencies that may work in the sports, entertainment, and gaming industries.
1: So at the end of 2019, we made the decision to go exclusive with a much smaller roster of seven creators. Now, initially, we spoke about between five and ten creators. We settled on seven, but we're still potentially seeking an additional three. We haven't stopped looking per se, but we haven't focused on looking so much. So we really focus on the creator, but I myself do have a lot of experience in and around the industry. We've worked with over 150 creators on 200 plus different campaigns over the years. It seemed like a waste to just say, well, we're only working with the seven guys and girls that we're working with. So we do offer a consultancy as well, which is something that you said in your intro. So a lot of brands and PR agencies come to Colossal and they say, we really like the guys and girls that you work with. There's potential for a brand activation with X, Y, and Z, or this person, and this person, but do you have some other creators, and then we'll look at how we can best implement a strategy around other creators. And that, that's become a bit of a challenge recently, because in influencer marketing, everyone has to make sure that they're protected at every point. Unfortunately, some brands, it tends to be smaller brands, but not always. They don't always have the purest intentions. So unfortunately, and I think this applies to many agencies, we've worked on influence marketing campaigns for hours for days devise the right strategy and then given the correct influencers to work with and how we would look to implement that basically drawn up a whole plan which has taken days and then unfortunately due to how we were working before and how we sometimes work now although we are a lot more protected now we would be cut out so our vision would be created but we wouldn't be rewarded or or paid or even you know even credited for for what we created. But we do work now under non-disclosure agreements and we still work a lot with agencies that we work with for many years that we give a lot of leeway to that we know. And it's basically a judgment call depending on who we're working with and how much we feel we can trust them and if there's ever been any issues before. So I think our influencer agency specifically has evolved to accommodate those risks.
0: That's good. That's awesome. Christian, I'd love to start speaking to you a little bit more about, you know, COVID and the ROI that you can still see during this crisis from influencer marketing. But first, I'd like to take a quick break to talk about Perlu, the platform that all influencer marketing professionals should be using to connect with influencers. It's not a subscription-based directory. It's a professional network of active influencers, ensuring that brands partner with only the best. And you can sign up and try the platform for free today. No commitments, nor obligations. Here's Brent Scott, Perlu's Director of Influencer Marketing, to tell you a little bit more.
2: Brands, we know it's not easy to crack the code of influencer marketing. Influencer databases, basically just the yellow pages for influencers, are a disappointment for everybody. Usernames and follower counts aren't enough, and you don't have time to worry about bots and fake influencers. And if you finally do find influencers who align with your goals, how do you know what type of campaign will work best for your brand? That's why we built Perlu, a community of active and thriving Instagrammers, bloggers, YouTubers, podcasters, you name it, who are collaborating right on our platform, using it to build authentic audiences and establish themselves as leaders in their niche, making it clear to you who's who in the influencer world. And to ensure your campaigns have amazing impact, we provide Perlu Advisors, a specially curated group of professional influencers to be your insider guides to influencer marketing. They have the experience, connections, and insights to help you develop amazing strategies for groundbreaking success. And once you've built your dream team, Perlu provides clean, simple tools to manage your campaign at every stage so you can put those spreadsheets, emails, and DMs to rest. Everything you need to crack the code of influencer marketing is here. Perlu. Influencer marketing reimagined.
0: So since you work within the niche sports, entertainment and gaming industries, and you work with this very small group of influencers that you keep these long-term relationships with, I'm curious, how do you best communicate the ROI of influencer marketing during a crisis like this? When, you know, some of the industries that you're working with right now may be hurting pretty significantly, such as sports, of course, and then others like gaming may be doing very well.
1: Yeah, I think it's about exploring secondary markets i mean one of the benefits of colossal influence is because we work so closely with such a small number of creators i know them personally and i've known them personally for for years before working with them so i'm fully aware of what they're capable of creating socially but not just what they're capable of creating what they're passionate about stuff that they've Been creating, say for example, Kavos, who is one of the people that we work with on Instagram, has created content around fitness before. Uh, It's very sparse, um, but I'm fully aware that he's into working out, exercise. um, So we look at cultivating potentially his in-home fitness brand deals, or he's also an avid gamer. So we'll look at something along those lines, basically somewhere where he can recreate his passion and potentially uh, monetize it. So because we have that close relationship, we can talk to the seven guys and girls and, and make sure that they're happy with what they're doing. As you say, stuff like travel and sports have been heavily impacted by COVID and A lot of our creators have been directly impacted but especially with platforms like twitter and instagram they give you the freedom to not move off on a tangent but certainly explore secondary and tertiary markets and we find that if the influencer has a close bond with their audience which all the ones that we work with do because we work with those that have really high engagement that their field will move with them as long as they're doing stuff that's in the same demographic. So if they're looking at targeting a, a male 18 to 24 demographic, then statistically a lot of those people are going to be interested in gaming, not all of them. And we need to make sure we mitigate the risk. We need to ensure that the people aren't going to be annoyed that there's a sudden change of direction from a creator so it's all about looking at short term gain against longer term risk and making sure that there's a strategy there to implement it properly and and to properly micromanage the situation of course this is unprecedented times and that word's probably been used <laughs> a, a lot uh, since since the start of covid and we need to make sure that we adapt and change and and work around the field but the field's gone in a very clear direction and, and a quite obvious direction for us as well so it's not a case of it jumping too severely but it's very easy to track because there's a lot of stay-at-home orders wherever you are in the world at the moment so that automatically means in-house fitness gaming stuff that you can do in the home are. Going to be pressed a little bit more, and then lifestyle, travel, fashion, which is a bit of an anomaly, um, uh, and other things where you need to be outside to create. They've almost come to a standstill in some cases, but there are some brands that are trying to fight back against it and and use the silence in that field to to create their own content. So things have changed pretty drastically, but not unsurprisingly.
0: Absolutely. So what kinds of specific pivots have you been making in your messaging for each of these industries?
1: As I say, I think it's very important to ensure that each creator doesn't stray from what they're passionate about creating, but that they explore other avenues. So I've said to many of our creators that that are looking for a bit of advice at the time that although you might need to make some changes in the short term don't lose sight of your longer term goals and make sure you stick to your core message because unfortunately influencer marketing like traditional and like celebrity marketing it can change very quickly in regard to your audience potentially pushing back against what you're creating always being honest with an audience is is one of the best ways to go so one of our creators, Top Hat Gaming Man, who is a a British gaming content creator, just recently made a video about how he's struggling with COVID. Unfortunately, despite the fact that his watch time has gone up significantly by about 120% on what it was before, his revenue has been cut by about 70%. Now, as anyone will know, if I was to say to anyone, tomorrow, your income is going to be slashed by 70% overnight. That's going to require you to make some very deep changes and look at yourself in the mirror and decide what way to go. Now, he decided to be very open and honest with his audience and said to them, this is what's happened. Uh, He was formerly a teacher and had made the move into YouTube not that long ago probably at the worst time and he had always said that he'd always had a plan so if YouTube for some reason wasn't working then he could go back into teaching but unfortunately he's uh, quite severely asthmatic and obviously schools aren't open at the moment so the pandemic has caused his backup plan completely null and void and also he was saying in his video how he rents out his main accommodation, but unfortunately there's a pandemic clause in his contract, which means he's no longer covered. And he was probably about as prepared as anyone could be, and yet all of his secondary and tertiary avenues have been completely closed out. So he made the very clever and smart decision. He plays, he plays a character in his videos. His name's Richard. Uh, he's a very confident and very outgoing guy to create a video where he was himself. He showed that he was vulnerable completely legitimately. You could see that he was very emotional in the video. His whole way of life had been pulled into insecurity, much like it has been for anyone. And, you know, I'm not saying that social creators have it worse than a lot of people, but it's about how it affects everyone individually. And he was just open and honest. And he said, "Yeah." I do have a Patreon, but at the same time, I fully understand that everyone is struggling and providing financial support for content that you like might not be an option. So please only provide if it's an option. If you enjoy the content, I'm being completely honest with you. I will do other things. So he started shooting behind-the-scenes footage that has been released exclusively for his Patreon members. He's also doing early content, And he's also just about to start a second channel where Patreon members can have access to ad free content. He made that decision and his Patreons went from 60 to just shy of 400 from when we're recording now within the space of less than a week. And it's managed to give him the freedom and and he's created an update video, which he actually released today at time of recording. And you can see the relief in his face. He says how he's very thankful that although somebody like a mega corporation like Google and YouTube have cut his income by 70% through, I I do have to say, I fully understand because everything's being spread a lot thinner now because more people are creating content. So demand for advertisement decreases. I'm fully aware of the scale of how it works but you could just see the relief in his face and people were there to support him. And I think that speaks volumes about the influencer community as well. You don't need to look very hard to to find the benefits of influencer marketing, the fact that people feel connected to the creator that they're watching because they're far more down to earth than potentially, you know, like a Hollywood A-list actor um, and that 's why uh, micro and nano influencers have such fantastic engagement, and yeah he you could just see the relief in his face and it, it was it was nice to watch and how so many people you know over three hundred and fifty people had come together to definitely relieve the issues that he was facing so it 's all about if you 're a creator, making sure you take a hard look at yourself you want to see the direction that you 're going don 't lose focus on that, but at the same time, make sure you adapt to a pandemic and what is an unprecedented situation to ensure that you can definitely live during you know these strange times. Right
0: that's such a beautiful story. So am I hearing you correctly that his patrons or so his audience had multiplied almost seven times because he took a new direction and was just open and honest with his followers.
1: Yeah he he plays like a very brash character so he creates content in retro gaming so 80s 90s and noughties gaming his videos are very well created they're formed and he plays a character he was formerly a professional wrestler as well he utilizes that skill that he's gained from doing uh, in bring promotional stuff and, and he's brought it over to youtube and you know a lot of people didn't even know his real name was Richard until he put that video out um, he's got about 65,000 subscribers, so he's relatively quite a, a small creator. He still has a very raw connection with his audience. And he just laid everything out on the line. And he, it started by introducing himself as Richard, which he doesn't usually do. And, and he just talks. He says that he has a young family and that his income has been slashed by 70%. And despite the fact that he's taken you know, all of these precautions, unfortunately, his way of life because of a pandemic it is, is being brought into question. And so you almost get the impression that he feels embarrassed to ask, but that he makes it extremely clear that you should only support a creator and influencer field. If you feel like you can, you should never ever put yourself in in financial strain by doing so. But that the sense of community and, and the people that enjoy watching his content is is so high that people want to watch it so they're willing to provide something for it. Uh, even in the comments on his latest video, you see people saying, thank you for access to the Patreon where I can watch this ad free, but I will still be watching it on this channel to make sure I support you. I will also continue watching all of the ads. I won't skip the ads, so you'll you'll see a better uh, CPM. And you know, just people being extremely supportive of, of somebody that they they don't know but they definitely feel like they know and he's definitely created that that connection with them and i think that speaks a lot about the majority of people who consume content on social media platforms because they're targeting a a much younger slightly more progressive audience that people are more willing to get involved and and really help somebody that they feel is in a in a time of need
0: Wow. That's such a great story. And to anyone listening to this podcast right now, if you'd like to watch this video, go to blog.perlue.com and find this particular podcast post. And our blog will be sharing this video so that you can kind of learn a little bit and just kind of see just how powerful this video was. So you yourself, how have you seen your relationships with influencers evolve through this pandemic?
1: I've always said the best bit of advice that was ever given to me in management is always manage the person and not the situation so some of the relationships that we have with our creators have become a lot closer and some have become not strained by any means but some people are evaluating their next steps and it's important that although we provide them with advice that we don't intrude because ultimately a creator knows their vision best and we're always here to provide advice and we've said several times to our different creators if you want to talk about what you're going through how you think the field is progressing when it might get back to a sense of normality then please do talk to us uh so some of the creators have taken that and and spoken to us in depth about a number of different things where others have sat back a little bit which is absolutely fine and we you know we have like a a catch-up every so often and and we'll say how's it going and and is there anything that we can be doing differently Uh, do you want us to get more involved or, or less involved and it's brought us closer with all of them and some people it's definitely allowed us to explore you know like we'll talk about different strands of content that they can create and uh, I always feel like hopefully I've been quite personable to them so we we talk in detail about different strands of content they create and that often veers off into personal conversation that doesn't relate to to influencer marketing so the bonds that we have with the creators that we work with I I usually hate the term when they say like we're a family and uh, one of the things when we first started in the influencer field that we prided ourselves on and something that we've carried over is that we rarely recruit and if we do recruit influencers we make sure that we do stringent background checks and make sure that the content that they create is in line with what we're happy to work with we make sure that you know they've not the type of person that has a, a background where they may have mismanaged different talent agencies or influencer agencies before. So, our process to become a member of the Colossal Influence family, and I say that in inverted fingers, uh, is, is very rigorous. And the seven people that we're working with now, we've had relationships for, for a while, and, or I've been watching their content for a long time. I've always said that I know my creators' content like it was my own. And I think that's one of the values definitely of working with Colossal is is that we we know, despite the fact that Jack 54 HD, who's one of our creators, creates FIFA based content, what he's comfortable creating alongside that, what his visions are, what his goals are in regards to meeting subscriber, you know, numbers and and what his edited goals are now because of COVID, uh just feels like we have a real real family dynamic.
0: So you mentioned that you try not to work with influencers who've mismanaged their relationships in the past. Could you give us an example of what a mismanagement may look like and what advice do you have for influencers for conducting their work uh, as professionally as possible?
1: Okay, so there have been cases where we've, worked with influencers in the past and that was actually one of the reasons why in january we decided to make the transition where influencers haven't created the content that they've said that they would create they haven't managed to get content out in time on a time scale which it which is fine to a certain extent it it all depends about how things are communicated what has happened there are still some creators who will bend the truth to ensure that they don't annoy anyone that's involved. But unfortunately, it's very easy when you've been working in the field for so long to see certain things. So I won't be specific in names, but for example, in late 2019 we had quite a big campaign and we hadn't worked with a couple of the influencers that we were working with on that campaign before, but it was the brand that wanted us to pick up that connection, despite the fact that we didn't particularly recommend the people that were involved. They said, we want, we want to go with X, Y, and Z. And we actually wrote reports about maybe why they should explore working with a different set of creators, but they were pretty adamant on it. And the creator or creators created content that wasn't in line with the strategy that we put out. It felt rushed and forced Uh, it didn't particularly convey to their audience either which wasn't their fault it was that was very much the brand that we were working with so if you're an influencer it's imperative that you're always honest at every step we will act as a third party so I will speak to our creators and will openly reject roles that I don't think are suitable for them Having spoken to them, I will give my advice and as a talent agent, make sure that they're not taking on roles that I don't think they can fill because there's no long-term benefit in that. And so if you're an influencer, you need to be open and honest with the agency or the brand that you're working with. There is always, as there is in any field, the want to go for the short-term monetary gain those influencers that do that they they never sustain themselves in the long term they always fall away you see it with a lot of reality tv stars that go into the influencer field when they come out of the show that they're doing they have this huge wave of popularity and they try and monetize that quickly and they just take so much stuff that has no relevance to them uh, they quickly find that their numbers start to decline, their likes, their engagement, their interaction. Whereas the some of the more clever ones, they come out and they take a step back. They continue to create content about their life. They don't go instantly into pushing brand, branded products. They find the right brand deals that are suitable for them, and they don't get dazed by the huge numbers that being thrown to them originally. And that is extremely hard to do. And that's why one of the benefits I think of of a talent agency, of an influencer agency, somebody that can say to you, I can see this from an outside perspective. And although that, those numbers are huge and they look beneficial now, in a year's time, you're going to be getting the same sort of offers, but they're going to be for a lot less because your engagement is going to be running to the ground. So yeah, I think with any influencer, it's important to be open and honest at all times, but also be very wary of, of the work that you're taking on. Can you fill the brief that's set out or do you feel like you can't, but you're doing it because the money is there here and now? And and like in any field, that's not always a healthy relationship to have with brands
0: that's a great point. And so let's talk about brands then. So in terms of COVID right now, I think you'd mentioned to me once before about how you're seeing like fly-by-night agencies popping up left and right and you know some brands are just profiteering right now. Could you speak to us about what you've been seeing and your advice and how they should go about managing their influencer marketing at this time?
1: That's a great question. I I, I think for brands, it's important to stick with what you know at the moment. Don't take any uh, big risks. There, there is always the need to take some risks, but definitely take calculated risks. Don't start looking at agencies that you wouldn't have looked at working with or influences that you wouldn't have looked at working with pre-COVID, because there was a reason that you weren't working with them then. And the likelihood is that post COVID or during COVID, the chances that they've improved or that something has changed is pretty slim. In fact, the chances are fly by night agencies or influencers that have boosted their like follow accounts. They haven't got any better. And if anything, they probably got worse. So it's important for brands to be always be calculated in, in the steps that you take. But certainly now, unfortunately, there are so many people that are trying to profit off a pandemic, which is a whole different conversation in itself. As always, if you're a brand and you're looking at an influencer, you need to be looking at history. If they've grown extremely quickly in like six months, a year, why did that happen? So you can usually see When an influencer goes from zero to 100,000 to 200,000, et cetera, there's usually a reason. It's usually a viral tweet, viral post. There'll usually be news articles about them if they've blown up so quickly is there an, you know, if you're looking to work with somebody in the field, why have they blown up? Make sure you do, do your due diligence. Don't feel like you can't be taken advantage of because there are people now or never that will try that. If you're working with a talent agent, are they somebody, are they a big company that work with a plethora of influencers? Do they manage influencers exclusively? If an agency comes to you and says that they manage an influencer exclusively, do they actually? So go to the influencers bio does it have their extension of email so our exclusive influencers have at colossal influence as an email extension a lot of creators will have an at gmail or an at hotmail extension why do they have that is there a reason be vigilant uh be hyper aware and do due diligence if you're if you're a brand and i guess that's the case now more than ever but has always been the case since i've been in the field
0: And you yourself, I mean, you had mentioned that Colossal was even turning down certain clients that they themselves were just profiteering um, from this pandemic. Could you tell us a little bit about how agencies should be careful during this time as well?
1: Well, I mean, we've been presented with just some outright, what I would call disgusting profiteering companies, but these companies are fly by night as well. They're not, you know, big brands that are looking to profit off a pandemic because they know that they'll instantly be called out on it. They're just companies that are coming in. So we've been contacted by a lot of manufacturers of PPE, personal protective equipment, which isn't medical grade personal protective equipment. It's more merch. There have been some creators that we don't work with in America that have created their own line of face masks. And I I have very strong feelings about that, especially as they're not medical grade, regardless of whether or not the influencer says This isn't medical grade. This is fashion. There's still certainly profiteering off a pandemic in there. In fact, one creator in the US, I'm unsure of his name, created masks which I think was selling for $30 plus postage and packaging. And he received huge pushback. And his fans were very much in his corner. But the mainstream media and the you know the twitter the majority of the people that didn't know him saw that he was trying to profit off a pandemic and and quickly made sure that that wasn't the case and he eventually closed down his operation yeah it's not great but we we have been approached by several different manufacturers for our creators to push out these products and the buck stops with me there i don't even message my creators and i think they have the ultimate confidence in me that I will only go to them personally the the ones that we work with with brand deals that have some sort of moral compass or brands that have some sort of moral compass it's a reflection on the agency you don't want your creators to have any negative pushback because part of being part of the family or you know they're they're friends as well so we try and do everything that we can to mitigate those issues most of it's common sense but the numbers that they throw at you can be very attractive to some people and some agencies, some fly-by-night agencies, especially to to be blinded and to go all in on a deal that they ultimately know is going to cause the creator to get a lot of pushback, and they would just be a sort of faceless entity that profits from that. Uh, that that's not how we work, and that's why if we ever have any issues with brands or, or companies that aren't paying or that are looking to exploit influencers, that we work extremely closely alongside them to make sure that they're sorted and and that they haven't you know they're not going to be taken advantage of and if something does happen that we couldn't see then work with them to make sure that they find the best solution
0: well done that's awesome thank you so much christian is there anything else that you would like to add to the podcast before we wrap up for today
1: no i think that that's it thank you very much for having me
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone listening. We hope you really enjoyed hearing from Christian at Colossal Influence Limited. If you like our show and are interested in what it takes to succeed in influencer marketing, we hope you subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also check out our blog at blog.purlu.com for more podcasts and blog posts. And if you haven't yet, don't forget to sign up for Perlu at perlue.com to meet, mingle, connect, collaborate, and grow your career. We hope you join us for our next installation of Perlue's Influencer Marketing Podcast, Influencer Marketing Reimagined.